Puppies. Cookies. Puppies. Free cookies. <laughs> Chocolate chip cookies. Oatmeal raisin cookies. Screw raisins. This is Free Cookies from ESPNW, the podcast all about sports, wellness, and lifestyle. I'm Kate Fagan. And I'm Catherine Budig. This is a podcast full of thoughts, conversations, and advice as delicious as stumbling upon a plate of free cookies. Each week, we're going to be interviewing some of our favorite people in sports. And wellness. And in pop culture. Catherine's going to make your life better one lifestyle tip at a time. And Kate's going to broaden your sneaker horizons. And we are doing all of this because we're really qualified. I'm a sports writer at ESPNW. I do Around the Horn. I do a podcast called Hot Takedown. I work with E6. I have a book coming out. I sound pretty arrogant right now. She's very popular. But, you know, I am a yoga teacher that travels the world. And I am a foodie. And I have two books out. Most recently, Aim True. But we are also in a relationship. So we are not afraid to get deep, to get real, and to get silly. Today on the show, we're talking to the phenomenal all-star soccer player extraordinaire, a.k.a. the GOAT. Abby Wambach, the best first guest ever. We are also going to dissect Kate's obsession with lists, and we are going to break down what makes the basic cookie list. I like to categorize and label and list everything, and this includes Christmas movies, what is or isn't a Christmas movie, ice cream, what is a standard flavor, and I think this category now is what are standard cookie flavors from which you are allowed to choose your favorite. But first, we want you lovely listeners to get to know us a little bit better. Let's do it. All right, what's up, everybody? You might know me, Kate. Or you might know me, Catherine. And you might know we're together. Or you might not know anything about either one of us. You might have just stumbled upon this podcast and you're like, who are these people? And now we're going to at least attempt to unveil that mystery with questions that we're going to ask each other. And this has been fun because I have now developed what I'm calling a, quote, an outstanding list of questions I must ask Catherine. I'm really intrigued to see what is going to make these questions so, quote, outstanding. Well, no, no, no. I'm not saying that they're outstanding as in a referendum on the quality of the question. I'm saying like an outstanding parking ticket. Like Mm. questions that have not yet been asked of you that I must ask of you. That's why it's an ever-growing list. So as questions are ticked off the list, questions are added to the list. And let's just jump right into it. Okay. (laughs) This question, number seven on my list. Catherine, jumping around. What's your favorite non-physical quality you possess? Well, Kate, my favorite non-physical quality. I mean, we all know your favorite physical quality. (laughs) Do we? Yep. (laughs) What? I I was going to say maybe it was your butt. You might really like my butt. I like your butt. But we are totally going off topic right Right. now. Because this is not about my evergreen butt right now. No, this is about your favorite non-physical quality. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is actually an interesting answer because my favorite non-physical quality about myself is probably also my least favorite quality about myself. Isn't that true with everyone? Oh, I know. But um, I, I have this outstanding ability to see the best in people. Outstanding. And not outstanding like the way that you think. Like outstanding, like phenomenal. Okay. Phenomenal ability to see the best in people, which I want to maintain for the rest of my life because I I, I believe that there is goodness in everyone, even though you have to kind of excavate it out of some people more than others. But it's also uh, come back to bite me in the ass a lot, too, because... It's a fine ass, though. In my evergreen ass, uh, 
because, you know, people are not always good and or kind. So I've experienced a lot of pain because of that quality. But regardless of the pain that I've gone through, I, I hope that I can maintain it because I think I've I know I've experienced more joy and have more memories that are fantastic because of that quality as opposed to the pain that I've endured. Do you have an outstanding list of questions that you must ask me? I have an outstanding slash phenomenal because I'm covering all the grounds question for you. Who was your first crush? And not necessarily the first person you dated, but who is your first crush? How old were you? And give me the details. Well, okay, first crush is an actual human who I interacted with. Yeah, not like a movie star that you were plastering on your walls. So not John Starks. Not John. Oh, did you love him like that too? I loved John Starks. Oh, you loved everything about John Starks. I loved Starks. everything about John Starks. I remember waiting in line outside a Modell's sporting goods store at Crossgates Mall in upstate New York, Schenectady, New York, because John Starks, Charles Oakley, you'll always be welcome to MSG in my world, and Patrick Ewing, okay? So the three big Nick stars came to Modell's, and I don't think this would ever happen now because this must have been the mid-'90s. I waited in line for probably two hours to meet John Starks. I didn't care about Patrick Ewing, who was by far the bigger star, or Charles Oakley. All I wanted was to meet John Starks. But by the time I got up to the table or where, like, it curved around the corner in front of an Orange Julius, John Starks' time there was over, and I had missed him. So by far, John Starks was, like, the love of my life growing up. From middle school, middle school was really, like, the obsession part. But this isn't the answer you want. No, but so does that mean he was your first crush and your first heartbreak? I would say that he wasn't my first heartbreak because by the time... So you didn't take it out on him that you missed him. That wasn't no, no, no. His I mean, fault. no, that was absolutely the usher's fault. That had nothing to do with John Starks. And I, I say that he wasn't my first heartbreak, but because by the time he was traded from the Knicks, I was old enough that it wasn't having the kind of impact that it has on your malleable seventh grade self. All right, there you have it. Okay, so but you probably wanted details about like Benjamin, my sixth grade. I did, but that was who, so two minutes ago. Okay. All right, enough about us. Let's patch in our first guest. You ready, Abby? I'm ready. All right, we are now joined on Free Cookies by former soccer star and all everything Abby Wambach. But that's, Abby, that's how I'm introducing you. We always like to ask everybody... Did that work for you? Is that actually how you like you would ascribe to your identity now? That's a good question, actually. That's a damn good question. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I would say the way that I would explain myself is like I'm a former soccer player who hit my head against the uh, soccer ball for probably far too long. <laughs> um, and now trying to figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life. I'm happy, finally, and that's it, I guess. All right, so I would say like, I kind of got it right. I was like, former soccer player, yeah. figuring out what's next, and yeah. she's finally happy. Yes. Welcome to the show, Abby Wambach. Reinvention <laughs> time. Yeah, so Abby, we finally got to meet a, a, a while back at one of the Super Bowl parties, and I told Kate that I was so struck by how warm you were that, you know, you're Abby Wambach. You're, you're the reason that I know what goat means, by the way. <laughs> That's kind of embarrassing. Um, I'm a little behind the curve when it comes to all the sports stuff. But I was just really struck by how warm you were and by your phenomenal sneakers yes. ah, that you had yeah. on. 
you've met so many people, and also I'm assuming people come up to you all the time. I mean, you can't be like just warm and amazing to everybody, but how do you try and at least keep your spirit up when so many people, I'm assuming, want your time? Well, two things. Number one, I actually didn't know what GOAT meant either. Yay, so I'm not alone. When the president actually <laughs> tweeted that about me, I was like, I called my agent. And I was like, well, it's kind of mean, right? <laughs> He's like, no, Abby, it's the greatest of all time. It's a Muhammad Ali thing. And I'm like, what? Yes, yeah. I feel um, redeemed. So I feel better. I feel better knowing that there are other people out there quite like myself. <laughs> but to answer your, your question about my warmth, I mean, that's a compliment. I I just in myself, I don't, I don't like actively turn it on or off. But I do actually kind of like to think of myself as um, more, I'm actually more open now that I've met Glennon. This is the truth. Mm. Um, because she kind of is that way. She, her her heart, her chest is just like out to the world. Her heart, heart chest and, and arms are open to hug whomever. I don't quite understand all the hugging that happens with, with her and her people and her community. I'm like, really? You hug all the people all the time. I'm just not that touchy-feely with, with my fans. But it kind of just shows you the people that follow Glennon and, and the community that she's created. So I don't know. I, I think that maybe over the last even 10 months since I've gotten sober, um, I'm definitely more approachable maybe. And, you know, I do have a damn good shoe game. So it's a right. good shoe game. If, you, if I don't leave you feeling warm, I will leave you feeling envy. It's exactly right. All right, let's put a pin in the this the sober discussion because I do want to come back to it. But for anyone listening who doesn't know, you and Glennon Doyle Melton just got engaged, and, and she's the author of the absolutely lovely and brilliant Love Warrior. I know Catherine has read it. I'm about halfway through it, and has she has so many insights on the world. So to tie it all together, right? So you said finally happy on the intro. I'm gonna make the leap here and suggest that maybe some of it has to do with meeting someone who you just absolutely connect with. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's nothing better than falling in love and finding the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with and knowing that within 10 minutes of meeting them. Wow. I think that for the last couple of years before having met her, you know, I was going through kind of a really confusing time in my life, whether it be because, you know, I was retiring from playing this long, this game that I played for so long or really struggling with dealing with my emotions through through substances. When I met Glennon, it was just kind of one of those like aha moments that put my life into like a before and after, which kind of makes a lot of sense, you know, when you do get sober, especially having gotten a DUI, like all the things that happen, you know, now I feel like I'm so grounded and happy and obviously in love and getting married. And you know, there's just like so many things that that my life wasn't a year ago that completely is now. So, Abby, our stories, uh, me and Kate and you and Glennon have so many parallels to them. And I was married to a man. I know Glennon was too, and that we have some interesting parallels going on here. But uh, I, I have the same exact feelings about Kate that you're having about Glennon, that I found my happiness. And uh, Glenn and I both come from the writing backgrounds and wellness backgrounds, and both of y'all are supporting the the sports. The sneaker game is the what sneaker you're game, yeah. right? Thank Let, you. Let's not leave that <laughs> out of you. the equation. That's true. I'm the goat of the Jordan collection. It's like a subset. It's, it's like women's best soccer player of you all time. You are the goat of the Jordans, and then I'm the greatest Jordan collector of all time. It's different, but it. it's fine. I'm just curious. 
because I, I see how like Kate is doing a, a cleanse with me right now, and we might be reading these interesting self help books together oh and things that you know <laughs> maybe she wouldn't have done before me. And I, I'm curious with Glennon's background, how well, like specifically how that is influencing you to change in a way that you absolutely love. She's influenced me to change in a lot of ways, but I think that I've always been very much a, a spiritual self helpy person. Um, all of my teammates will tell you about, yeah, about every possible <laughs> book that I could read and all the things and all the cleanses I've been on. So that's for sure been very much a part of my life before Glennon. Um, but to me, and this is true, you know, I've kind of really ebbed and flowed with my, my spirituality. And, you know, I'm, I was, I'm a recovering Catholic, <laughs> then went to like atheism and, and then being agnostic. And Glennon has a kind of faith. It's almost like the only kind of faith that I can believe in. And it's not just because I'm in love with her. Um, it's because the way that she can kind of transcribe the stories in the Bible. I'm very much a black and white kind of needing. I need to see it to believe it. And that's where I don't see eye to eye a lot in, in, in terms of people that are religious. And Glennon has more of a way to explain things that... Anybody else could come into the room and explain it, and I'd be like, that's bullshit. <laughs> um, but because I trust her, and I know her faith, and I know the way that she looks at the world, and I know the way she feels about the world, she's kind of like, and our love is kind of like the faith and the spirit, spirituality that I'm, I'm absolutely following right now. And for, for you, Abby, how has maybe getting a piece of that spirituality back as it's ebbed and flowed throughout the years contributed to helping during like this transition period where your identity was fully immersed in this role of soccer player to now, as you mentioned earlier, trying to figure out what that anchor might be in your work identity. Uh, how has that, how have you felt like that's helped? Yeah. I mean, I think that it absolutely helps. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yes, like I'm reading the Bible right. and I, right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not there, but I think that my biggest issues with spirituality and the way that I was living my former life, drinking too much and always trying to like get away and numb whatever issue I was going through, right now I just feel so much more grounded and stable. And I know that having that grounded soberness um, has allowed me to do that without, I mean, with less fear. Obviously, there's always fear. But I'm not letting the fear control my life, which has been a game changer for me. How did you know you needed to give up drinking? Well, if you don't know after you get a DUI, then there in may lie the problem. Mm -hmm. um, I was absolutely ashamed and embarrassed. The most anybody could possibly be, um, you know, some people, oh, they're like, gosh, I feel so bad for you. Your worst day or your worst decision or your worst moment was exposed and I'm like, yeah, but that also has been like the most magical moment for me because I had a choice. You know, I had a choice after that happened. Am I going to let this define me or am I going to let it actually propel me off? And, and am I going to be able to like hit this rock bottom, coil my legs and push off uh, and be able to head off into the right direction? Or am I going to let this define me and become like another statistic about who, you know, Gets a, and I know people get a DUI that are not having substance abuse issues. I just was. And I'm just really lucky that nothing horrible happened that night that I hurt anybody else or myself. 
that I'm actually able to to sit here with you guys and and talk about it in a way that it it became the most important and valuable thing that's happened in my life because it allowed me to get sober, allowed me to be awake, allowed me to see Glennon when I when when we met, um, and allowed her to see me when when we met as well. So it's the best thing that ever happened. Yeah, it's amazing how those instances that seem so awful at the time are ultimately the blessing in disguise. Yeah, and even in the moment, I was like, I know that I'm supposed to be learning something. Mm -hmm. I know that this is for a certain reason. And just being the impatient asshole that I was at the time, I was like, I just don't know what that reason is. Um, You know, and (laughs) months later when, when I met Glennon, it was like, oh, got it. Like, like all of the things that were happening even even the struggle that I was going through, you know, because substance abuse is just masking another problem. And for me, it was absolutely masking my loneliness, my depression. I was I was in um, a really toxic relationship and the end of my marriage was failing and I was getting getting a new job and I was getting rid of like an old job that had this huge. You know, there were so many things that were was going on at the time. So I um, I am just glad that I didn't I didn't. Um, that that night defines me in in a positive way now. It's like the night where the Band-Aid came off, it sounds like. Yeah. You know, look, if if I didn't read the signs of my life at that point, um, you know, I'm not sure I'm sitting here right now. Totally. And that's, and that's a scary truth to say out loud, but it's, it, it is. It's, life is very fragile, and it's short, you know, and, and you, you get out of it what you put into it. And I just wasn't being like an active participant in my life for a long, long time. Um, this is the first time in my life that I'm not ashamed of anything. I'm proud of myself. And it's been a it's been a hard year, you know. I've I've gone through a lot of change. There's been um some things that I've had to really deal with in terms of getting a divorce and getting sober and dealing with the DUI and moving, you know, all of these things. But I feel like just so proud of myself for having done it and done it all kind of with this level of integrity that I that I'm going to forever pride myself on now. Okay, Abby, the, the sports fan in me right now has a pressing question. I don't want to take you back too far into into your career, but I am so curious about how from the outside that summer of 2015 when the U.S. Women's National Team with you as captain wins the World Cup feels like a crowning glory. And now knowing some of the other emotional turmoil you seem to have been dealing with uh, underneath what looked like such an amazing moment, how does that moment, when you think about it, now feel in your own mind? It's really easy to like look back and have hindsight and it be 2020. But the truth is, is that the lessons that I've learned from that time are that you, you never really know what people are going through. So what I was experiencing on the inside as opposed to what everybody thought that I was experiencing from the outside, um, were vastly different. And I loved playing on the national team. I'm very, very proud of winning the 2015 World Cup. As a competitor, when I look back, do I wish I played more during the 2015 Cup? Yes, of course, I do. But did I deserve it at the time? No, I didn't. And do I think that our team deserved to win that World Cup? Hell yeah. You know, I think that absolutely without a doubt, we were the team of the tournament. And I think it was a hard summer because I knew that I was going to likely retire. Um, um, I knew that I wish I had a a bigger role at the time. And I think that that kind of perpetuated maybe some of the substance abuse 
things that were happening. Right. You know, I'm really intrigued by anyone who is on top of their game like you are, as talented as you are. And my very simple question for you is, do you love soccer? Right now or then? Maybe a little bit of both, because I'm always intrigued when people are on top of their game, if they still even love what they're really good at. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that most professional athletes, it's like an arc, right? You start when you're young and you have like a twinkle in your eye. You start making money and you feel like there's no other job in the world that could be better Uh, and then you start to reach like your middle career and you're just like flying high you're fit you're strong and mind you like I was one of the better players for the for the better part of my career so I had that confidence already instilled in me as well Um, and then towards the end of your career where you're just all the novelty has completely worn off you stayed in every kind of hotel room you've you've flown on every kind of plane Um, you've played in every kind of game and the risk is almost outweighing the reward, right? So you're spending so much time suffering and and especially physically for me and at the end emotionally and and mentally, you're suffering for so long that the reward isn't enough. It's It's not worth the suffer. You can balance those scales out on some level, but women's professional sports, you're not making the millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that these men are making to make that suffering worth it. So I think that what you're going to see, um, uh, unless the women can get a great contract that they're they're negotiating now, is that women's careers are probably going to last not as long um, because it's not going to be worth it. You know, and I'm the lucky one. I was one of the best players. I was one of the most endorsed players. I was paid very well, but it wasn't lifetime money. It wasn't it wasn't the millions and bazillions of dollars these guys are are making um, on the other side of the aisle. So. To answer your question, <laughs> I loved it. I thought that it was the best job. I felt like I was killing a bunch of birds with one stone, seeing the world, working out, playing for my country, winning medals. Everything's perfect and great and grand. And then it kind of gets a little bit old and it wears on you yeah. as time goes on and the novelty wears off. But representing your country, that nothing really ever can replicate that. But um, professionally, I don't know. I don't I, Honestly, I don't know what is in my future, but I do know that um, it was the honor of my life to represent my country for so many years. So, Abby, uh, last night Catherine gave a lovely speech at the Samsung Space in Meatpacking, and I only bring it up because one of the key points that she offered was as she's trying to move out of just teaching yoga and taking those skills elsewhere, she made this point about how, like, even though she's a yoga teacher, really what makes her a great yoga teacher, probably like a handful of skills, whether it's compassion, empathy, strength, communication, whatever it might be. For you, what skills as a soccer player do you feel like you're going to be able to, and actually define them, share them with us, that will translate to this second career that you have. And I'm going to ask like an Obama press conference question here. So there's that. <laughs> and also I just want to, want to know what also ones you're worried about that might have hindered you as a soccer player that you're hoping you can continue to improve as you go forward. I'll answer that one first because okay. that one felt... <laughs> Jumps out at you. <laughs> yeah, it was the strongest. I had the strongest pull to it. Um, I think the thing that's probably going to hurt me the most is, and, and it's probably going to help me on some level, too but I'm like a rookie I don't know I don't know what I'm doing you know um and and I have this probably obscenely irrational amount of of confidence in myself when I do things Mm -hmm. 
that when I'm told certain ways to do things, <laughs> I find my own like my own brain going like that doesn't make any sense to me. I think it should be done X, Y, and Z <laughs> yeah. ways. And I am like, I'm like below like the person who like pushes the mail around the office, right? Like I don't, I, I that's how little I know about this job. So that's like the first part of the answer. The, the, the second part of the answer, the first part of the answer would be, I think that um, my leadership skills will definitely be something that I, that I use. I'm not afraid to fail. That's absolutely something that's going to, help me in my next line of work here at ESPN. I'm open I'm open-minded and open-hearted. I'm just I'm like I'm like ready to say yes to almost any venture, you know. I I don't know what is going to land. I don't know what's going to fit or or stick. Uh and you know, Skipper, God love John Skipper. He's like the best president of ESPN. Yeah, he's taken such a big chance on me given that I have no real working experience. Mhm. You know, I'm I'm here this week basically learning how to properly be on the other side of the camera giving an interview. Yeah. I've done thousands yeah. of interviews. I've I've talked about my life in, in soccer and stuff thousands of times. But what a different process it is and methodology it is to actually compose the interview and uh story arc it and all the things. And it's and it's super interesting to me. You know, I don't know if being an analyst or TV personality or radio talk show. I, I, I don't know. I, but I do know that I have something to offer. Uh, and finding that space right now is kind of what I'm in search of. Most people are like, oh, gosh, like that must be so stressful. And I'm just kind of like enjoying the magic in the middle of this trapeze. I, I've let go of both rungs and I'm just like kind of flipping around and having some fun just chilling out. I like it. I love right. it. I love that the goat has gone from yeah. goat to the awe and terror of being a beginner again. <laughs> yeah. That's such a inviting place to be. I know. Exciting. The, dark, the yeah. darkness. The darkness doesn't have to be bad. And, and I think no. I just had this really cool conversation the other day that I'm just kind of like I'm hibernating a little bit. All right. So I'll try this again, this exit, not an intro, but an exit tro. I just made up that word. So former soccer player. Currently just figuring out what is next for her and super happy human, Abby Wambach, thank you for your time. I love it. That was, that was the best one yet. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, you, you guys. Thank Thanks, you Abby. So much. Appreciate it. Bye. 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 All right, listeners, it's that time for Kate to get obsessed with her list. She's going to talk about cookies. But most importantly about these cookies, what qualifies a, what do you want to call it, basic cookie list? Like the 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 heavy hitters. Here's how this goes. If I asked you what your favorite cookie was, I would only, and I think a lot of people's brains would work this way, I would only allow you to choose from a certain set of cookies. You can't just randomly jump in here and tell me that you love macadamia nut mint caramel dipped licorice cookies that you once made when you were eight years old and those are your all-time favorite no there's an agreed upon pool that we have all tried that we choose from kate's gonna put you in a box i like to classify things i think that's the way the world works i know that we're trying to break free of labels right now but i think for things like cookies and christmas movies (laughs) and all-time best qbs 
These are lists that the world needs. Come at me if you think Die Hard is a Christmas movie, because it's not. And that was an important distinction drawn because somebody took the time to classify and list things. And that's why I'm here today to tell you, as our listeners of Free Cookies, thank you for listening. These are the cookies from which you can choose when I ask you, what is your favorite cookie? All right, bring it on. Here's where I'm at. Peanut butter, oatmeal raisin, chocolate chip, sugar, snickerdoodle, Monster cookie. What's a monster cookie? M&M. An M&M cookie. Everybody calls them monster. Perhaps if oh, you do were in they? Colorado. Everyone M&M in cookie. this room. Our producers are shaking their heads right now. So we don't have any producers. I don't know who you're looking at. Oh, they don't matter when they don't know monster cookies. All right, and continue. a late addition by my best friend Shauna. White chocolate chip macadamia nut. That's it. That's all you get. Those are the only cookies from which you can choose as a standard collection of cookies. I I mean, any free cookie listeners out there who believe they have a valid addition to this list, you can email us at freecookies at freecookies.com. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead right now and say I don't think this is fair at all. And I'm sure a lot of people just turn off this podcast in anger. So my favorite cookie, and I would say that your favorite cookie too, and I'm going to stand by my choice, is specific. And it does not make that list. But this is still my favorite cookie, and it comes from Charleston, South Carolina. From a place called The Daily, owned by Butcher and Bee, and they're called Fatties. Mm-hmm. And this is an unbelievably, perfectly soft ginger cookie. Like, it looks like a little whoopie pie, but it has mascarpone cheese. Like a whipped mascarpone, mascarpone just cheese. just say it like normal people say it. If you put it in between your index finger and your thumb, and you put gentle amount of pressure onto both sides of the cookies, the mascarpone cheese starts to come out of the side, and it, you, just, you just react like it, it is the most visually satisfying thing to see the cheese oozing out of the edges of the cookie. So here's how this goes. You say that. You go, oh my God, there's this amazing cookie at Butcher and Bee. And I go, that's awesome. I love that that's the cookie you most like to enjoy. But like, what's your favorite standard all-time cookie? Like, if you had to pick from like the all-time standards list, like, which one do you go to? You are very strict This is what, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, when you're making lists and classifications, you have to be ruthless. Otherwise, it's an endless, it doesn't become a list. It just feels like I'm in prison in cookie jail. It just becomes cookies. This is like Candyland, but the dark side. So anyway, these are the eight cookies. I believe I named eight. And that's the list. Now, if any listeners have any rational, not just a random cookie they ate once at one specific place, contribution they want to make to the list, I will gladly consider it. Mm, I promise Kate will be kinder with your cookie contributions. I make no such promises. All right. What's next? Nothing. That's it. We say goodbye. Okay. That's it for today's show. I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And who even makes this podcast? Free Cookies from ESPNW is produced by Pineapple Street Media and Barry Finkel. You can find us on wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes. And if you like the show, why don't you leave us a review? It helps others find the program. That's it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.